0: Good morning and welcome to Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell. Now for today's show, here's attorney Ethel Mitchell. Good morning. Good morning and welcome. Good morning and welcome to Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell. I'm your host, attorney Ethel Mitchell, and I welcome you to learn how to protect yourself, your property, to preserve it, and then pass it on in the least expensive and easiest way. Welcome to Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell, where we share information that's important to you, to your family, to your loved one, and can be very important to the organizations, your churches, your schools, information that you don't find anywhere else. It's a program that encourages you to ask questions about these things. Ask your questions about deeds, about probate, about wills, about trust. Don't, there are no dumb questions, so please don't hesitate to call in while I'm on the air. I'm here for an hour and a half, okay? So call in. Call one eight hundred four five zero seven eight seven six. 450 7876 one eight hundred four five zero seven eight seven six. 450 7876 There are no dumb questions. I will do my best to listen to your questions and to answer and educate and inform you and my audience about the matters that you call about. I only do wills, trust, and estate planning, and so that's what I'm gonna talk about and that's what I'm gonna respond to. But please, please remember, there is no attorney-client relationship by anything that I say on the program or that's on my website. You really do have to go to a lawyer with your deed, with your situation, so that that particular lawyer can look at all the facts, advise you, and then prepare the appropriate documents to solve whatever your, your, your concerns are and to help you to create and pass on intergenerational wealth. That's all we do. The name of my company is Wills and Trust, LLC. We prepare wills, trusts, power of attorneys, advanced medical directives, We assist people in administering estates and trusts. And so if you or someone you know needs a will, a trust, or assistance in administering an estate, give us a call at 240-638-2828. That's 240-638-2828. While I'm on the air, as I said before, you can call the, the station, WOL number, one eight hundred four five zero seven eight seven six, and I encourage you to call early, so I'm not rushing to answer the questions at the end. If you you call and the uh, uh, W L operator picks you picks up your call, please stay on the phone. Don't disconnect or hang up. It takes a little bit of time to get for him to tell me, and then for me to let you on, okay? Because remember, all of this is being done remotely still. We don't go into the studio, just like I only go into the office when documents are ready to be signed. Everything else is done by phone, by mail, by Zoom, and we're and by email. It, it's working out very well. I think my clients are satisfied with it. We're able to get a lot of work done, and we're able to take care of people's situations. But uh, it is still being done remotely. And for the foreseeable future, it will continue to be done that way. So again, give me a call at 240-638-2828. 240-638-2828. We will send you the client information form. If you want to have a will or trust for your personal uh, uh, estate planning needs or If it's an administration of an estate, we'll send you the probate information form. We arrange for you to return that to us through a secure email portal if you'd like. Some people mail theirs in by postal mail and then we schedule a video conference to discuss the specifics of your situation. I find that a much more efficient way of getting things done more quickly and more effectively. So call me, 240 And while I'm here on the air, call one 800 if you have questions about this particular subject matter. Law is powerful. It can help you or it can hurt you. It impacts everything that you do. What you don't know can definitely hurt you. And what you do know empowers you. And in this area of the law, talking about property and wills and so on like that, it can empower your entire family. Families that get this work done, that have their wills prepared, that have their trust prepared, have it have their property transferred and titled in the way that's most efficient, and effective for transferring property are able to benefit tremendously. Those families, their children and their grandchildren go on to have increasing financial security and wealth. And you can do it as well. You just have to take the steps, follow the law, work with a lawyer, an individual lawyer that knows your situation, advises you, prepare the documents, and do what they say to do. That's how it is done. That's how families maintain their property and increase it. And, of course, train your own children and grandchildren how to protect and preserve what they earn and what you're passing on to them. Train them. Teach them. When you own property, you have to pay taxes. When you own property, you have to keep it up. If you have a yard, you have to cut the grass. If you have a house, you have to keep the house, the roof not leaking, you know, and repair things. It doesn't really matter as much what you have as what you do with what you have. So I'm dedicated to trying to tell you what the law does and then using the law to help protect you, guide you, and make it uh, so that you are financially secure. And those that you leave behind are financially secure as well. So I do believe when we know better, we can do better. And I see it in my own clients all the time. I really see the difference. Please remember, though, you really have to get individual counsel. There's no attorney-client relationship established. This is purely for educational purposes only. Every person needs three basic documents, a last will and testament, a power of attorney, and an advanced medical directive. Every adult person needs those three documents, a last will and testament, a power of attorney, and advanced medical directive. Many people can use a trust. For many purposes, a trust is the better option, okay? If you want privacy, if you have minor or dependent beneficiaries, if you want to control the assets that you are leaving behind over a period of time, if you want to avoid probate, a trust will be the way to go. Okay? Now, today I thought that I would concentrate on although I'm open to whatever questions you have. I'll do my best to answer them. But I thought today I would try to concentrate on explaining in more detail how you can use other documents to transfer property after your death besides the will or besides the trust, okay? There are a lot of, not a lot, but there are a few other documents in appropriate situations that you can use to transfer property without having to go through probate and without having to go through a lot of trouble and difficulty. There may be a few steps, but it's a lot easier, it's a lot faster, and God knows it's a whole lot cheaper to move your assets from your name to your intended beneficiaries using the the um, techniques that I'm going to talk about right now, okay? But carefully listen and go to a lawyer to make sure it's appropriate for your situation, okay? Don't just listen and say, oh, the lawyer said I could do this and then go down to the bank or go down somewhere else. and. Do it. I mean, well, use your own judgment, but I, I would recommend that you have a lawyer to do, to help you with these things. And even if you do the things I'm about to talk about, make sure you still have a will. I cannot re- stress that enough. Even if you do the things that I'm talking about, still make sure you have a will that says, if all else fails, this is who I want to get my stuff. That is the only sure protection that you have that your spouse, your sister, your children, your brother, your best friend, your boyfriend, your girlfriend is going to get your stuff. Okay. That is, that is the, the fail safe. That is the ultimate document. When all these other things fail, the will can be used to pick them up and put them where you want them to go. Okay, in most circumstances, you know, the law is always, you know, there's stuff in it, but in most circumstances, you can use the will. And that's why, even if you do all this stuff I'm telling you about to do, still make sure you have the lawyer do a will for you. It's really, really important. Okay? But there are some things. These are only suggestions. And the suggestions that I'm about to make are in limited circumstances. These are suggestions when you want your property to go to people who are adults. What I'm about to talk about is not appropriate when you have children who are your intended beneficiaries. You want your, your, your money or your property to go to adults. You have no conditions on what they do with it, when they get it. You have no conditions on how they are to use it. You just want, when you die, your house, your bank account, your insurance, your retirement money, goes straight out to these people, and that's it. Okay, and that's the case in most people. So that's why I said Let me focus on this today, because I want people to know that these are other steps. Quite, they're simple. And they're very effective because a lot of people are dying, and they could have done a few other things besides even just the will. The will is going to catch it and do what you want done with it. But these are a few other things. Number one, for bank accounts, checking accounts, savings accounts, and CDs that you want to go to adults, Remember, not children. Adults, you have no conditions on them getting it. You have no uh, conditions that they have to do this before they can get it. They have to use it for this particular purpose. No conditions, whatever. Just when you die, you want these adult people to receive your funds, whatever's in your checking account or your savings account, and you can you put them in percentages. banks don't like give five thousand to this one and ten thousand to this one because you might not have five thousand dollars in there, okay but you they usually require you to do it in percentages. So let's say you are a father, you have two adult children. you want those two adult children to get what's in your bank account and your checking account, savings accounts, and so on like that, in equal shares. Simply go to the bank, fill out a payable on debt beneficiary designation. All banks have them, payable on debt beneficiary designations. They're called POD, or payable on debt. And you fill out one for every bank account that you have. You have bank account number one, two, three, four. You fill out a payable on death beneficiary, and it says, I like Mr. Robert Jones, so we're gonna stick with Mr. Robert Jones, is leaving his money to his son, Mr. Robert Jones Jr. and Mr. Albert Jones in equal shares. So it's gonna be Robert Jones Jr., 50%. Albert Jones. Fifty percent. Sign it, and get a copy of it. Sign it, and get a hard written copy of it. Do not let the bank tell you, "Oh, it's in our records," or "It's in our," it's in electronically. If, if you can get it electronically, print it out because they're going to freeze your bank account when you die. So your children or your beneficiaries need to have a hard copy of your signed beneficiary designation, okay? So you need a payable-on-death beneficiary designation for bank accounts, checking or savings. I did a little bit of research, and I understand that even online banking accounts, you can do that for your online banking accounts, and that is really important. You want to make sure it's appropriate for what you want, okay? And it goes the way you want it to go, and you don't create unnecessary capital gains taxes, okay? So you're listening to Law Talk with Ethelmitt. We help people in administering estates and in administering trusts. So if you or someone you know needs a will, a power of attorney, advanced medical directive, or a trust, give us a call at 240. 240- 638 2828 we'll call you back those those that number is being monitored remotely i've changed it up so that i now have two different people monitoring and checking the messages one in the morning one in the afternoon to make sure that we are able to call you back within 24 hours if not before i do my best to call everybody that same day um, I know that some people said I was missing calls. So we changed it up and, and we're trying something new, and I think it's working out pretty well. So give me a call, 240 638 2828, and you will get a call back. If you want us to work with you to do a will, a power of attorney, advance med- medical directive, and maybe a trust, we will send you the client information form. If someone has died and you want, assistance in administering their estate, we will send you the probate information form. And when you send it back to us, we will then schedule a video conference to move forward with learning exactly what needs to be done, explaining the process, and then getting started with your documentation. So give us a call, 240-638-2828. While I'm here at WOL, call in now if you have questions. 1-800-450-7876. I do this because I really want people to know and use this information, okay? I understand there is a caller on the line. Good morning. May I help you? You're on Uh, the air. Uh, Yes, thanks for taking my call. Uh, As I heard you going through the different uh, scenarios, Uh, I came across something recently, and I was wondering if you can explain it from a legal standpoint. Uh, I understand Mm -hmm. there's joint tenants with rights of survivorship, but I was told about joint tenants with entirety. Uh, Can you Uh, explain the difference between those two and what, uh, what would be the advantage of one versus the other? It isn't, it's not joint tenants with entirety, it's tenants by the entirety. And the difference is that is only available to married couples. Tenancy by the entirety is only available to married couples. Okay? And joint tenants with rights of survivorship, they both do the same thing. They both mean... That if your name is on the deed as tenants by the entirety, okay, two people who are married to each other, when one dies, the other one owns it all without going through probate, without going through anything, okay? You just, if sometimes people want to file a confirmatory deed with a copy of the death certificate, but even if you don't do that, it belongs to the surviving spouse. That's tenants by the entirety. Joint tenants with rights of survivorship has the same result, but it is, it is available to people who are not married. So let me give you an example. Suppose they are three brothers, and they have a home that they own together. Maybe they got it from their parents. Maybe they bought it together. It doesn't really matter. Or it could be three unrelated people. The law doesn't care, really. It could be any three people, three adults. And their intention is that when one dies, the other two will own it. And then when the second one dies, the last one will own it all. That's joint tenants with rights of survivorship. It's, I was going to get to that, but I'm glad you brought it up now, because that is extremely helpful to avoid probate in in any kind of situation. but. It's really coming up now in family situations let's say uh, mr. Robert Jones he's got th- a, a, a daughter and two sons okay and he wants his house to be given to his daughter and two sons but he doesn't but he wants only his children to own that house he doesn't want their spouses he doesn't want their children his grandchildren to have interest in that home he only wants his his biological or legal children, whatever they are, to have ownership in that house. So he, in either in his will, says it's joint, I mean, joint tenants with rights and survivorship, or there's a deed, maybe they get together and they buy it. They buy it as joint tenants with rights and survivorship. As one dies, the last, the last two own it. When the last one dies, the last one, when the next to the last one dies, the survivor owns it. That's another very simple way to avoid probate. It's, 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 I had some people this week who didn't do that, and now we got to do two probates because two different people have died now, okay, and they, because they didn't put joint with rights of survivorship on it. The law says if you don't put it, you are presumed to mean tenants in common. And tenants in common Mm. means one-third, in the example I just gave, one-third, one-third, one-third. Okay? Okay. So you've got three people on the deed. You don't say joint tenants or rights, rights of survivorship, then it means Mr., Robert Jones has his one-third. When he dies, his one-third goes to his heirs, okay? It could be either by deed or without a deed. It goes according to the law of intestacy. So now the other two own that property with the heirs of the deceased person. That's what's happening with a lot of this heir property, what we call heir property, okay? Okay? Because if you okay. don't say joint tenants with rights of survivorship, the law presumes it to be tenants in common. Tenants okay. in common okay. mean you're heirs. You see what I mean? And, and that's mm-hmm. how a lot of ownership gets splintered, you know, because you have your share. Your brother has a share. Your sister has a share. When one dies, their children now own and sometimes grandchildren You know, and now all of a sudden, instead of being three people, you got 15 different people that you've got to get signing on a deed or to do anything with the property. And that's what the law presumes if you don't have tenants in common on the deed. I mean, tenants by the entirety on the deed or joint tenants by the deed on the deed. Really good question. Okay. All right. That that answers. Thank you. And I appreciate your program. Thank you. Oh, you're quite welcome. Thank you for calling. If you have questions, call in. I really want people to call in so you can get this clear and you can make use of the law. Okay? Uh, 1-800-450-7876. 1-800-450-7876. I want to come back to the bank account and financial account so I can finish them. OK, uh, I want to finish that and then I'll go to the deeds again, although that was that was kind of an explanation of what I wanted to cover. OK. Um, in the first part of the program, I explained about payable on death beneficiaries designations, POD. Then I talked about POD, which is what's used when you have bank accounts that are in brokerage, you know, brokerage stock account, uh, securities things of that sort. It's called TOD, transfer on debt. You also can use these on government bonds. You've been listening to Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell. I got a really good question just now about the difference between tenancy by the entirety and joint tenants with rights of survivorship. Um, One of the things that I didn't get a chance to say about tenancy by the entirety, that I think you should know is not only is it only available to married couples. Do not copy your parents' deeds and have it going from one parent to a child, okay? Because I have had cases where people have copied their parents' deed, which said tenants by the entirety, and they try and do the same thing. They want to do it themselves. They don't want to go a lawyer, They figure, well, we'll just do the same thing our parents did. And then they end up spending years and thousands of dollars, literally, to straighten that out. And you can't really straighten it out. You know, it's going to go according to the law of, of tenants in common. And in one case that I have, instead of it going to the deceased child it went to her uh, to the 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 parent who survived it actually went to the grand not not even the child of the the other person on the deed the grandchild because her child had died it went to the grandchild and that was not what they intended at all but let me come back to the other important factor about Tenancy by the entirety. Not only is it only available to married couples, it provides them with asset protection, like nothing, like nobody else's deed does. If one spouse is in a car accident, gets a judgment against them, that judgment cannot be used to execute against the deed of a house that's owned as tenants by the entirety at least not as long as both of them are alive. So the individual credit of the married couple, creditors, are not available to execute against a home that's owned as tenants by the entirety. That's an important asset protection feature of tenancy by the entirety that's not offered by any other type of deed. That's important to know, okay? Okay. I'm going to return to this um, later on in the program. So do stay tuned because we're going to continue to talk about these important matters. It's really important that you know these things and that you use them as well. It will save you and your loved ones a lot of money and make the transfer of assets much, much easier you're listening to Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell, give me a call at Wills & Trust, LLC, 240-638-2828 is our number. 240-638-2828 is the, it is the only type of law that we do. We are actively engaged in the practice of law in Washington, D.C., Maryland, and Northern Virginia. Okay? So give us a call and we'll be glad to work with you, okay? We'll be glad to work with you because I want people to use, to know this stuff and to use it as well, okay? It's really, really important. That We talked about checking accounts, savings accounts, security accounts. Now let's talk about retirement accounts. Do not assume that you don't have to put down a beneficiary designation on your retirement account. Just go on and do it. Just go into, if you work with somebody that way, who has your retirement account, if you have a TSP, uh, work for the government TSP, you have a 401k at your job, a 403b, if you work for a nonprofit organization, you have a simple IRA. IRA means Individual Retirement Account. You have a SEP IRA, a Roth IRA, even a 457B, okay, it's a tax-deferred savings account that's set up by an employer, any of those types of accounts, be sure to name your beneficiary. Don't take it for granted. You find the beneficiary designation on that account. It's all, nowadays they're all online. Fill it out. Send it in. Print out a copy of it for your records and for the benefit of those that you love, and make sure that they know they are supposed to get that money. It's important. Now, of course, as I said before, this is only available when, or only appropriate, I should say, when your intended beneficiaries are adults, when you have no Problem with them getting the money outright because there's no control over it. Once you die, it's their money; they can do what they want to with it. Okay? You usually, if there's more than one person, you have to put down the percentage that you want. They do not allow you, in most instances, um, to put in five thousand to this person or ten thousand to that person or anything like that. You might not have that when you die. Okay, so they say in percentages, but retirement accounts are, we're running into a lot of problems now where people are dying and they just didn't bother to put down a beneficiary, even when they have minor children, okay? Even when you have minor children, at least name them. I don't like minor children being named. I'd much rather you have a trust and you name your trust to manage that, okay, and that's a different kind of trust. Just so you know, it's, it's not the usual revocable trust. They're special RRA inheritance trust that you can use. But if, even if you don't want to go that way, at least name them so there's no question. and We don't have to worry about opening an estate or probate or whatever. Somebody's going to have to be appointed as guardian for those minors in order to get access to it. And those minors are going to get access to it with no control when they reach 18 years of age, which may not be such a good idea, especially if you have a substantial retirement account, like a lot of people do. But at least name them. Otherwise, the contract documents that you signed and you probably didn't read because most people don't read them. Okay, when you open the account, says in the body of the contract who gets your assets that are in the retirement account when you die if you have not designated someone. If you have not designated someone, they say who gets what it is. And of course, they define it by relationship. Okay? Most of the time. It is if you're married, your spouse, not always, most of the time, so you're taking a chance. If you are married to someone and you think and you are depending on getting their retirement money, if they die, then make sure they have named you as the beneficiary and you have a written copy of that. Okay, and vice versa. If you intend for your spouse to get your retirement account or your bank account or anything, make sure that you have named your spouse. Don't leave it to chance. Please don't leave it to chance, especially if they have other children that aren't your children, okay, or they have things that are, they have creditors, so that if we put it through the estate, (coughs) then the creditors will get it, okay? When you name a beneficiary on a retirement account, they get that money. That money is paid to them. We don't have to take it through probate. If you don't, we got to take it. We Well, retirement account doesn't go through probate. That's one thing. Retirement account goes to the beneficiary or um, if, if you've named them, And that can be whoever you want. In some instances, if you're married, you have to name your spouse or get their permission not to name them, okay? In many instances, in a lot of jobs, you have to get your your spouse to sign off if you're trying to name your children or somebody else. Not in all, but in some. But what's important to know is if you don't say where your retirement money goes, the company will determine that. If you have if you are not married and you have no children, it goes to your parents, okay? And your parents could be old, they could be senile, they could be in a nursing home, but that retirement company is gonna pay it to your parents and that money may be available now to for Medicaid or somebody else to take it. All right? When in fact what you really wanted to do was to leave it to your brother or sister, you see. Maybe you have a sister who needs that money, who could really use that money. Then name her, okay? Name her. Maybe you're in a relationship with someone that you want to benefit. Then name them, especially if you are not married to them. Make sure you name your intended beneficiaries on all of your accounts. Especially your retirement accounts. Um, if you are uh, your 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 um, life insurance, we haven't talked about life insurance, but name your beneficiaries on your life insurance policies, please. Please, if you don't name them, that money goes into your estate. It is now subject to your creditors and Often it's used up for probate legal expenses, court fees, taxes, all kinds of stuff. Okay. But life insurance is another one where we find people just don't name their intended beneficiaries. And so part of that money has to be used to pay expenses, court fees, legal fees, all kinds of stuff like that. Whereas if you had just put the name of who you wanted to get that money, On the beneficiary designation, that money, that check would have been written directly to your intended beneficiary if they're adults, okay, and it would not have been available for any other use. It's also another thing, and I, I may have to wait until I come back after break, but in Maryland, this becomes very, very important when you are single or when your intended beneficiary is not your spouse or your child, okay? And I'll explain that a little bit better when I come back because Maryland is one of the few states that still has an inheritance tax on beneficiaries to who are not what we call exempt. And I'll have to explain who is exempt. And that's important because I have a lot of people who want to benefit their nieces and their nephews, and beneficiary designations on life insurance policies is one of the few exceptions to an inheritance tax that is 10%. We've been talking about how to make sure that your retirement money, your life insurance policy, your bank account, checking, savings, brokerage, annuities. I forgot to say something about annuities. How to make sure that money goes where you want it to go. There are all kinds of circumstances where you may want, or all circumstances, you know who you want to get your money. You know who's going to use it in the way that you want, who's not going to waste it, who's not going to, you know, you may have one child who's very, Diligent, very ambitious, and maybe another child has a drug problem, a drinking problem, gets into trouble, is associated with bad people, uh, maybe's gone to jail, um, who who does not show any remorse or any uh, intention of changing. Why? And and so you should name exactly who you want. So all that hard work, you worked for that money. Remember, you worked for that money. You worked hard. You worked long. You work. You paid taxes on that money a lot, okay? So don't just think, oh, it's no big deal. It's okay, you know. Uh, you can't use it because it's not going to get paid until you die, you know. Your retirement money, of course, hopefully you're, you're receiving funds, you're living off of it. And uh, it will help to maintain your life in the way in which you want. But whatever is left over is going to be left here. Okay. And you've worked hard for that. So take control over it by filling out the beneficiary designations and then keeping a hard copy of it in your. Papers where you have your will and your other important document, okay? These things are really important. You can create a really good legacy here so that those that come after you have a leg up. They don't have to start all over again, okay? They really don't, but you've got to use these mechanisms to make that happen. You're listening to Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell. You can call me at the office, 240-638-2828. Wills and Trust is the name of my company. And this is all that we do, all day, every day, okay? So call us and let us help you. Uh, Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell. Each week, tune in, and I'll be here to answer your questions, okay? We're going to go back into the uh, program in a few minutes. And when we do, I'm going to continue to talk a little bit more about retirement accounts and so forth, uh, and then get into deeds. It is very, very important, okay? Very, very important. If you take advantage of all these things, that's important. You work hard for your money. (laughs) You work really hard for your money. So you should direct where it goes. Okay, you should direct where it goes. Don't leave it up to anybody else. And your children can't direct where it goes either. The law says where it goes if you haven't said so. That's important. That's important. You're listening to Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell. I'm your host, Attorney Ethel Mitchell of Wills and Trust, LLC, where the only kind of work we do is Wills, Trust, Estate Planning, we help people administering trust and looking at your deeds and helping you to get your money where you want it to go, okay? Preserve it, take care of it, and then pass it on. Uh, just before the last part of the program, I was talking about retirement money. Um, you know, remember, you work hard for your money. You you, you know, Donna Summer, is that true? It's so, that song is so true. You work hard for your money. So anything that you have accumulated, if it's retirement money, if it's life insurance policies you paid for those policies, if it's IRAs, uh, SEP IRAs, four hundred one k's, four three b, was it four hundred three b? All of that is very, very. That's the benefit of that you have made by working really hard. So. Designate who gets that money. Don't leave it to some company who is just doing a a generalized thing. This is who we think it ought to go to, okay? And once you die, see, nobody else can do that. Your child can't designate for you who gets that money. Nobody else can designate for you who gets your retirement, who gets your uh, insurance policies, who gets your benefits. You have to say that yourself and you have to leave a written copy of it in order for your intended beneficiaries to get it without having to go to court for them to find out that you have designated it, okay? So please, please take care of these things. If you have, as your intended beneficiaries, Your adult, they are adults. They are, uh, you don't have any control over it. You're okay with them getting it and what they do with it. You're fine with it, which is true for most people, okay? Remember, they don't have access to this money until after you die. They don't know how much money is in it. They don't get any statements. They don't have uh, any kind of access to your money just because you name them as a beneficiary. They really don't, okay? And you can simply name, you can name your church. A lot of my clients will name their church on their life insurance policies. They will it's a simple easy way to benefit your church. Pastors, if you're out there listening, be glad to come in and talk to your your parishioners about this, but it's very easy. Just say, "All of my life insurance policy goes to name the church." I always say, Put the address of the church down because there are a lot of churches with the same name, okay? So if you want your church to get all or a percentage of your retirement account, uh, then name them. Name them. Put their name down. Put the address down. Let them know or let somebody know or print it out so that they can see it, okay? And and they'll know because otherwise they won't know, all right? And you can always change it. That's the other thing about these beneficiary designations. You can always change your beneficiary designations, all right? As long as you're competent and, of course, alive, all right, Um, you can change your beneficiary designations. But it will sure save your beneficiaries a lot of money. Just before the break, I started talking about something that is unique to Maryland And if you're listening to me in any other state, you need to have your lawyer find out or let you know, are there similar situations in your state? Because each state can be different. In the tri-state area, metropolitan area that we're in here, Washington, D.C., Maryland, and Virginia, Maryland is the only state that still has an inheritance tax. And it's a pretty big one. It's 10%. But exempt from that inheritance tax are your spouse, your parents, your children, your uh, sibling, grandchildren, okay? So, lineal descendants and ascendants, you know, grandparents, um, children, grandchildren, um, brother, sister, okay? Uh, and of course spouses, uh, are exempt from the 10% inheritance tax. Everybody else who receives money at death or assets at death, not just money, a house is considered inheritable property when it goes to a niece or a nephew. And I have a lot of clients who want to give their property in Maryland and they got expensive property to their niece or their nephew. Okay. So 10% and what that means is you have a $300,000 house, house is valued at $300,000 and you want it to go to your niece or your nephew then, or, or, or a stranger in the law. And by stranger, I mean like a boyfriend or a girlfriend, you know, um they're not you 're not married you're not a child you're not you know um, but you want your boyfriend to get it or you want your girlfriend to get it when you die and you put that in your will, and that 's how it goes. Marilyn's is looking for ten percent of the value of that house to be paid in cash when you die, one of the exempt types of assets that we use to have that money available is life insurance. So life insurance payable to a non-exempt person in Maryland can be used as the source of money to pay the inheritance tax that will be due on other assets. So let me break that down for you. Mr. Robert Jones has a home. He lives in Maryland, anywhere, doesn't matter, Hyattsville, Maryland. He has a home, and his home is worth $300,000. He wants, for whatever reason, maybe he doesn't have children, doesn't matter, but he in his will says, or in his deed, because they catch you, even if it's in the deed, okay? Uh, I want my home to be payable to. I mean, deed it to my niece or nephew. Same thing with retirement accounts. Even if Mr. Robert Jones names his niece or nephew beneficiary on his retirement account, if Mr. Robert Jones is a resident or domiciliary of the state of Maryland and he's leaving that kind of an asset to a niece or a nephew or a non-exempt person, uh, maybe he's leaving it to his girlfriend. All right? That girlfriend has got to pay Marilyn, or is supposed to pay Marilyn, 10% of the value of the home, if that's what's going to her, of the bank accounts? if that's what's going to her, or him. That's the guy firm, doesn't matter, okay? Um, and 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 one of the ways in which we deal with that is to have Mr. Jones take out a life insurance policy that's payable to the same person because life insurance is exempt. So, say Mr. Jones takes out a $100,000 life insurance policy, make that same policy payable to the same person. So, let's say in this case, Mr. Jones has a nephew. His nephew's name is Mr. Matthew Jones, and Mr. Matthew Jones is the nephew. And for whatever reason, Mr. Jones wants his 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 nephew to have this this house. House is worth $300,000, so the nephew is going to have to pay $30,000 in inheritance tax to the state of Maryland. Mr. Jones also took out a $100,000 life insurance policy, had that payable to the nephew. Nephew gets $100,000 from the insurance company, pays the $30,000, in the inheritance tax, and pockets the rest of the money. Let's take another circumstance. Suppose that Mr. Douglas George, Mr. George, Mr. George has a girlfriend. Mr. Mr. George's girlfriend's name is uh, Miss Bertha uh, Smith. And he lives in in Maryland, and he wants Miss Bertha Smith to have his house when he dies. He can do the same thing get a life insurance policy, make it payable to Miss Bertha Smith, okay? When he dies, Miss Bertha Smith is going to have to pay that $30,000 on the house that he willed to her or did in a trust or did a deed where she got it as part of the estate planning process. I like to make sure things are the way they should be. Um, uh, then you can reach me at 240 638 2828 and we'll call you back, send you the packet to get the information, uh, to get started uh, with your, your, your documents or reviewing your documents and getting it all straightened out. That's 240-638-2828. I'm not going to have as much time as I want to deal with uh, the deed situation. I did talk a bit about tenancy by the entirety Uh, versus joint tenants with rights of survivorship earlier in the program. And maybe what I'll do is dedicate a whole program to uh, using deeds to transfer a property, uh, but being careful about how you do it and what types of deeds that you do um, and when they are done because you don't want to trigger a capital gains tax for your intended beneficiaries. But I will say this, uh, even for people whose wills I did myself 10, 15 years ago, call me, let me look at your will, let me see if a transfer on death deed would be appropriate in Washington DC or in Virginia are an enhanced life estate deed in Maryland because those types of deeds preserve the step-up in basis, and I don't have time to listen to me often. You'll hear me talk about that, Uh, and that's really critically important to understand that you want to preserve that, but they do not take effect until you die. But because they take, take effect when you die, without having to go through court, without having to go through a, a probate process, it can save your family even more money. So even if you have a will, a lot of people don't realize, a will in order to transfer property that's not otherwise transferred by a beneficiary designation or through title a will has to be put in court, and a whole estate open to probate. So what I'm doing now, this transfer on death deed, is still relatively new in Washington, but it's definitely being accepted by the courts. I mean, by not just the courts, but the title companies more. Virginia's had it for quite some time, and Maryland has had the enhanced life estate deed for quite some time as well, but. Even if your will was done and no deed was done, and the only thing that you have in your estate is your home. Now, you got to be alive to get this done, okay? But let's say you own a house and you own bank account. This is very common. And you have already put your, ch- usually it's children's name on your bank account. We may be able to do a transfer on death deed for your house, get it signed and recorded, which has to be done before you die, and we can avoid having to do probate with your will when you die as well. I understand I have a caller on the line. Good Good morning. Can I help you quickly? You're on the air. Yes. Can you help a person whose mother is in a nursing home now and you're trying to Um, do a trust for her? That is hard to do, but it can be done. Number one, she's got to be competent completely. And often I'll have people to have their doctor say something in writing on their letterhead that Mrs. So-and-so is competent to sign legal documents. Okay. So if it's, if it's challenged, You know, you've got something to say, yes, she knew what she was doing, okay? Two, she's got to be where I can talk to her or see her on the computer, okay? So I know that this is what she wants, all right? And that, that can be just as a practical matter difficult. And three, when we're ready to sign the papers, she's got to be able to sign those papers herself in front of a notary with two witnesses, The witnesses cannot be her intended beneficiaries, and a lot of nursing homes will not allow their own employees or nurses in the hospitals to be witnesses. So there's some real practical problems with doing it. As a legal matter, there's no legal reason not to, but as a practical matter, that's the problem. But we can try. Okay, I'll give your office a call. Okay, we can try. Thank you very much for calling. Seriously, it's a good question. Um, I was able, with a lot of effort, in another similar situation where I had already done a trust for a client, and he wanted to modify his trust. He wanted to make changes. He had amended it, and then he wanted to make more changes to his trust. And Uh, We were able to make those changes. I had it printed out and everything and gave it to, in this case, his brother to take it to him. He went into a a nursing home, an assisted living facility, uh, just before the pandemic. Um, um, And we could never get in to sign his papers. He got COVID, went to the hospital, came back to the nursing home. They would not allow us in. They would not allow us to use their uh, employees as, as, or their staff as witnesses. He went back to the hospital. He got COVID again. He went back to a different hospital. Uh, at first, the hospital told us that we could take the papers in. They had a notary. They were going to, let, they were going to use their own witnesses. Then they changed their mind. They said, no, we won't let it happen. Uh, as he was dying but still confident that they brought him home to his home. We had the notary and the witnesses lined up to come in on a Monday, and he died on a Sunday. So uh, in that back pattern, with a lot, a lot, a lot of work, where all the beneficiaries agreed in writing and consented to the modification, we were able to get that new trust uh, deemed to be, you know, effective, but it was really hard. It was really, really hard. And we would not have been able to do it if he had not already had a document in place and he was just trying to modify it. So I urge you, have your loved ones do their wills, their trust, their documents before they get sick, before they go into a nursing home in this environment but we can try we can try you've been listening to law talk with Ethel Mitchell i've got to go now please get your shot be safe still and give us a call at 240 638 2828 we'll be glad to work with you and tune in next week and i'll be back with some more information have a good day